Praise the Lord. Do you believe it this morning? Amen. Then let the redeemed say so. Amen. Rejoice in him. He's God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's our healer, our deliverer. He's the need supplier. He's God this morning. He's the Savior. No matter what condition you're in, whatever, how lost you may be, he's the, he's the one that will be the way maker. Amen. will help you to find your way because he is the way. Amen. Let's look to him this morning. Let's expect to exceed in abundantly. Let's let him speak to your heart now. Amen. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, what a privilege it is to come in the name of Jesus. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow and every tongue has to confess that you're Lord. There's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no sin question. There's no spirit of the enemy, no alcoholism, no drug addiction. There's nothing that can stand in the name of Jesus Christ. Nothing can stand before that name because at that name every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he's the ruler. And what he says goes. We're here as his children today. We're here as a believing church, having been called and predestined for this hour, set into motion for this moment. We're looking to you, Lord, asking God that you'll minister to hearts and lives, ever need supply. Bring healing, Lord, and deliverance. We send, Lord, on this wings of this prayer right now, we send it to our brother Ron Spencer, who's been in great need. Lord, oh God, you see the situation. You know the, the request of the heart. We pray in the name of Jesus that that enemy that has come and attacked him will have to bow today to the name of Jesus Christ and that healing strength will well up within his being. Oh God, anointed by the Holy Ghost, anoint us, Lord, today as men of God, as, as the people of God. Oh, God, anoint us to speak words of life. Oh, God, to receive those words, to walk in those words. We commit ourselves to you now, Lord. We surrender our all, our everything. Lord, if there would be one thing that we would have done that would have hindered your spirit, we would be saying, Lord, we don't want that. We want you to have full reign today. So hide us behind the cross, Lord cover us with your blood and let us Lord into thy presence today to minister thy word Father we ask it in Jesus name amen and amen praise the Lord God bless you man my we've had a wonderful time already today singing the praises of God and enjoying the blessings of redemption the psalmist would say redeemed how I love to proclaim it Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Amen. Aren't you glad to be His child today? Amen. To be here in the presence of God where He can speak to us. We're going to read from the book of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1 today. And I'm going to 
read um, most of this chapter this morning as we look into the scripture, at least 15, um, 15 verses of this chapter. And uh, we want to just look back in the Bible and look at it as a prophecy of this end time, where we are in this end time. Amen. May God bless you as you stand as we read the Word of God. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. For I have seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people of, out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The Lord God, or the God of your fathers, hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, I am, has sent me unto you. And God said, Moreover, unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. And here we are at the last generations. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. We trust that you'll just uh, enjoy the presence of the Lord today as we look into the Word of God. It's just good to see everybody that has assembled with us. 
And if you're a visitor here, uh, here with us today, I, we hope that next time you come, you won't feel like a visitor. Amen. But you'll feel very comfortable in the presence of God. He is here to transform lives. And that's what we have seen him do, and that's what he will continue to do. And, um, you know, we are, we are going to be speaking today on being taught by the angel. And we have been speaking on the angel of the Lord that has uh, been down through Scripture and uh, in, the, in the Old Testament and even in the New Testament. And, um, and, of course, where we are in this time, in this generation, as I believe we are to be a people that are led by the angel of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, what sets us apart is that this message is not heralded by or from some denominational headquarters, but it actually descended from heavenly dimensions. Dimensions beyond as an angel stepped out into light, much like he did at the first exodus. Now, this scene that um, we see in Moses' time was, would be today among most Christians kind of a foreign thought or a foreign scene. It's something that was of yesterday, but not of today. It would, um, it would be though something that would the angel of the Lord would be in his pre-incarnate um, condition because it was a pre-incarnate Christ as the angel of the covenant would come down through time all the way until it became incarnate in Jesus Christ. And then after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and ascension into glory, the apostle Paul who had never met the Lord, um, physically would meet him on the road to Damascus. And at this time, he had returned back to, again, the, the same light that he was as he would meet the children of Israel in a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud of, of by day and a fire by night. And uh, it, would, it would be that Paul would, would ask this great light as it spoke to him, and who art thou, Lord? And he would say, I am Jesus. And, and so we know then that Jesus has returned um, in the presence of his pillar of fire in the same way that he was in, the, the, uh, in his uh, pre-incarnate condition. Now, the message that we are preaching about today, it descended from those same heavenly dimensions. And um, I, I think, you know, when God does something up on the earth, he announces it by the angels. And, and you would see this when John the Baptist would come, that there would be the angel of God would appear to Zacharias, his father, and tell him about a child that was coming. And then there would be, again, the angel Gabriel coming to Mary and uh, telling her, of how that God would become incarnate and he would borrow her womb to do it in and it would be by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit without her knowing any man. And, and so this is, this is God's pattern and God's way even if it is foreign to the mind of most Christians today. This was the early church. This was the original pattern. 
This is Bible doctrine. Now, again, you know, if John the Baptist was announced by the angel and he was the forerunner of the first coming of Christ, then we know that if we're looking for his second coming, which we are, then there should be a forerunner to forerun his second coming. And would not we expect then that that forerunner to be announced by an angel? Now, we, we're going to speak just for a moment as I bring some things into review, and maybe some here will be the first time you ever heard about this. But 75 years ago, on May the 7th, 1946, there was the angel of the Lord appeared in person to William Branham. He had been seeing visions. He had been hearing the angel's voice since a child. He had seen him as um, a whirlwind in the tree that, and a voice that spoke and said, never smoke or drink or defile your body in any way for um, I have a work for you to do when you're older. You see, the angel cares about what you do. You see, some say, well, it's just what we believe. If we just believe in our heart, you know, then we, we don't have to have actions that matches our belief. No, the angel cares about what you do. He don't want you drinking, smoking, defiling your body. Amen. He wants you to live a clean, sanctified life that has been a work of the Holy Spirit, the angel of God in your life. Amen, because the Holy Spirit is that same angel of the covenant that appeared to Moses there in a burning bush of fire. So the angel cares about you. He cares about what you do. He cares about us in this generation, in this time. He cares that our hearts is turned back to the faith of the fathers. He cares that we come back to the original doctrines that Paul taught. He cares what we believe about Scripture. Any old way is not going to do. Amen. The angel of God is very concerned about the people of this generation of your time. He's concerned about you. He'll come to your seat. He'll deal with your heart. He'll speak to you as a prodigal. Amen, where he will come right to you and warn you even in the night or when you're right there in the very slop of sin. And he will stir your heart and he will move upon you to come into his presence, to return back to the Father, to come home. You see, you home for you is not the world. Home for you is not sin. Home for you is not a devil's child. Home for you is God's kingdom. Amen. He chose you before the world began, and you fell from him because of sin, but he's here to restore you back to where you fell from. What he had in his mind of you to restore you back to that original condition where God saw you in his plan before the world began. I want you to know this morning we are not happenstance people. We are not accidents that have just happened along life's way, but we are predestinated and called and ordained and set out for a purpose for this moment and this time have we come. And that means that he is a messenger 
of the, of the second coming, bringing a message to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. God's concerned about what you believe. He wants you on the right track. Amen. You say, well, you know, Brother Tim, he didn't find me in sin. He found every person in sin. I was raised up in a Christian home, but he found me in sin. He found me as a sinner. He found me needing redemption. Amen. And if you have not received redemption, no matter how good you've been, how, how holy that you've acted, how, how close that you've walked the dress code and done everything just exactly right, let me tell you, you still need a Savior. You still need a Redeemer. Some of the worst things we got around the country is a bunch of message brats on the pew who have never come to know Jesus. Now, the angel had appeared on the Ohio River before perhaps hundreds of people. It was like a star that appeared over William Branham and said, a voice said, as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, you're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. This would also be witnessed in some of the great healing campaigns that would take place as, as Brother Branham would carry um, a, a message of divine healing uh, to the sick and the afflicted, and he would become known among the Pentecostals as a prophet of God. He would be, he, they would write books about him that says, a man sent from God. And they would testify of him as a prophet who visited South Africa. They would, they would have to testify of the divine gift and what God was doing. In those very books, they would testify and they would say, it was, it was more than just that, that, uh, that what happened at the river, but men and women who didn't even know it or know anything about it, who had never heard of the prophecy, would rise up in the congregation and begin to speak in other tongues, and interpretations would come to those tongues, and a prophecy would come out and say, that's John the Baptist. What sent to forerun the first coming of Christ? You're sent with a message to forerun the second coming of Christ. Amen. Now, Again, T.L. Osborne would say the same thing as he was uh, a man who carried that message down into Argentina, down into Africa, down into many, many places in his mission work. But it was there that he saw the, the very thing happen. And he said, it wasn't a voice I heard. It wasn't I knew and knew of others that said it, but something rung up within my heart as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. You're sent with a message to forerun the second coming. We're here in that time. We are men and women of the second coming. Amen. The rapture lays ahead. The ascension lays ahead. The change of the body lays ahead. But we are still men and women of the second coming. We still preach funerals, it says, and we will use the scripture that comforts us, that says, we which are alive and remain shall not hinder those that are asleep. But the trump of God shall sound, and then the Lord shall descend with a voice, with a, with a shout and a voice and a trumpet. 
We read those scriptures, but I want you to know, and I want to reaffirm it to you today, that's not just a funeral scripture. That's not just something when we bury somebody. I want you to know that's a prophecy that is of this last day. Amen. That somebody's going to fulfill. And it ought to be men and women today in a hunger in their heart. God, let your word be fulfilled in my life. I want to see that fulfillment, that resurrection life. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, talking about resurrection life, I tell you what, I told my wife on the, on the way to church today, I said, Karen, if Brother Kenneth in church today, I'm just going to have a run away jubilee. Amen. Yeah, I'm going to have a runaway jubilee, Brother Kenneth. Amen. Because why? Here's a man that was struck down and was in a dying condition in the ICU. Come on, 30% of his heart working. It was given up on him, blood clots in the lungs, uh, cancer in the bones. I don't know how many strikes he gets. The devil gets to hit at somebody. Amen. But anyway, laying there, I said, and I, I told him the other day, I said, you know, we're going to have to name you Lazarus. Because you didn't come up from that condition so many times. Why? Because Jesus Christ is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the other day when COVID thought it would take him down, COVID didn't have enough to take a 70-year-old man down. Come on. The devil ain't got enough because why? The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is still in the church. He's the resurrection and the life. Now, you know, Brother Branham, coming up, it was in a time where nobody believed in divine healing. Nobody believed in visions. Nobody believed. I mean, days of miracles were past. And being told that these visions and voices were of the devil because God no longer did those things, the age of it was past. He finally went into a, 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 a place behind an old cabin. And, uh, you know, he, he began to pray about it, asking God to take away these visions. And, and, and because the theologians and the fellow ministers were saying it was all the devil to hear the voice of God speak. And so he went to ask God to take it away. And somewhere about midnight, a light came into the room. And in that light, he could see a man's feet. And it materialized the, the rest of the body. And out of that light stepped a man. He was about six foot tall about 200 pounds, olive complexion, dark eyes, a smooth face with no beard but hair, right down, about down to his shoulders, and he said, fear not. Amen. And when he did, he recognized it was the same voice that he had heard since he was a boy. And he said, I am sent from the presence of God. Now, notice it was the presence of God. He said, didn't feel the same it was like when the Holy Spirit comes around and makes you feel happy, but it was different. It was a sacred, august feeling. Amen. Amen. But it, it was the presence of the Lord. He was like a man, 
uh, and, and he had walked out of this fire, this whipping, milling light. And yet he was like a man, yet he was a supernatural being that walked right out of that light that had entered the room. And that light was like a whirling, pulsating fire. It milled about, churning, uh, hanging in the air, pulsating with the energy, glow, growing bigger and brighter. And then as the light spread out on the floor, getting larger and larger, spreading on the floor, he could hear footsteps. And squinting into the light, he could see a bare foot and then a robe, and out of there walked a man. Now, the amber light continued hanging over his head, still whirling, pulsating with energy. And this, this, this supernatural being would look at him with kind expression. It was a face that Brother Branham would never forget, although he could never find words to describe it fully. It was so gentle and peaceful, and yet with a sense of power and authority. He said, no, it wasn't Jesus but he said it was an angel from his presence. And, and as, he, as he spoke, he said, I am sent from the presence of Almighty God to tell you that your peculiar birth and misunderstood life has been to indicate you're to take a gift of divine healing to the people of the world. And if you'll be sincere when you pray and get the people to believe you. Remember this, the report must be believed. Somebody's going to believe it. Then he said, nothing will stand before your prayers. Amen. Not even cancer. Oh, my. Amen. You, you'll go into many parts of the world and pray for kings and rulers and potentates. You'll preach to multitudes the world over, and thousands will come to you for counsel. You must tell them that their thoughts, that they speak louder in heaven than their words do on the earth. Amen. This is a God who, who said the word discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Amen. Now, we are reading from the account of Exodus is what we read from this morning. And that's the second book of Moses. And Moses in the presence of this pillar of fire and the theophanic angel of the covenant, he would receive a commission with signs of deliverance. He would be given two signs, right? One, he would thrust his hand into his bosom. It would come out white with leprosy. Throw it back in, and it would come out, it would come out clean. This is a very type of salvation. Leprosy is a type of sin. Let me go down this line just for a moment. You see, leprosy would make a person unclean where that they couldn't even live in their home, where they couldn't even live in their town. They would have to live on the outside, and, and everywhere that they would go, they would have to keep their mouth covered, and they would have to scream out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, I'm a leper, I'm unclean. You know what? That's what sin does to you. Amen. Hey, it'll speak right out of the life. Amen. Hey, hey, you don't even have to tell nobody. You don't even have to say, you know, I'm unclean. Your life will tell it. The spirit about you will tell it. Amen. He'll scream out, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. But you know, there was a, when leprosy was cured, 
There was a sacrifice given for that. And that was they took two turtle doves and they took the one and they would take the head off of it and they would sprinkle its blood on the living mate. And then they would set that living mate free. Come on. And it would go forward sprinkling the blood of the dead mate and of course, it was, it was saying, clean, I'm clean. It's spreading cleansing everywhere it went. Come on. That's exactly what Jesus did. His life, the dove, was poured out upon us, the unclean sinner. Amen. And poured out upon you. It set you free. You're no longer in prison. You're no longer bound. You're no longer a sinner. You are a child of the most high God. And your life is screaming out, I'm clean, I'm clean. Because the life of my mate has made me clean. The other, of course, it would be a sign. It would be a sign of a, his rod turned into a serpent, a cobra, which would be, which would be the replica, the very symbol of the Pharaoh of Egypt, the highest power in the land. Amen. And Moses was shown by that, I have the power to loose you or the power to bind you. Amen. And anything that comes and opposes me, like your snakes, will be swallowed up. Now, so we're reading from this account of Exodus. Moses in the presence of this pillar of fire and this theophanic angel of the covenant, he would receive a commission and with signs of deliverance. And later he would come to Mount Sinai as he's told about here, you will bring them again into this mountain. It's, a, it's remarkable to realize, but it would be actually 50 days um, or seven weeks after the, the slaying of the lamb and the Passover and the coming out of Egypt. And they would go, and for, after 50 days, they would come to Mount Sinai. It would be on Mount Sinai that the law was given. The Jews would say of that event, it was when God married Israel and took her for a bride because he was making a covenant with her. Amen. Is that right? Amen. Amen. How many knows we got a covenant? Amen. This is our covenant. Amen. Come, on, Amen. Come on, you get married and you make your vows. You say, I will, I will, I, I will be true, I will be honest, I will, I will obey, I, you know, all the vows that are being made. And when you take God's covenant to be his bride, you vow. Amen. Amen. You vow to keep this word. You vow to esteem that day holy and your life to be holy. Amen. You vow to take on his great name and to spread, to represent that name because now everything that you do in word or deed, you are doing representing the name of Jesus Christ, your bridegroom. So whatever he says in the Holy Scriptures, you believe it. 
You accept it. And you act upon it. To do otherwise breaks your marriage vow. You're married. Now, there, as I said, 50 days later, up on Mount Sinai, Moses would, would actually go into the presence of God. And in the presence of the angels of God, as, as, um, as it would be revealed to him by the hand of the angel, he would actually write the five first books of the Old Testament. Wherever we got, you know, Genesis account, you, you know, maybe Moses had heard from the Egyptians how the beginning was and the creation and how it taken place. Perhaps he'd heard from, from um, his his mother, the short time he was there in, in her home, how the creation was and how it all began. But he would have to forget all of his knowledge. And he would come into the presence of that angel and he would write out the first five books of your Bible was given by the angel of God to a prophet. Now, Moses would write, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now, again, we come to the last chapter or the last book, rather, of the Bible. And the last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation. And the book of Revelation, John would actually hear again, um, as the Bible said, he sent it and signified it or, or brought it by, the, by his angel. So again, the last book of the Bible is written and given by the angel to John. It is the testimony or the revelation of Jesus Christ. Are you with me now? Amen. And John would hear the voice of God, and it said in Revelation 1:11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Now notice he was the first. He was the first expression of God. He was the first of God that could be seen. It was this theophanic messenger that was the word, the logos of God, the pillar of fire that was the first thing that would go forth from God. Think of this. Then he says in Revelation 3.14, to the angel of the church, he says, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. So again, he asserts to the last age, I'm not only the beginning, but I'm the end. I'm not only the first of the book, it is, it is the last of the book. From Genesis to Revelation, I am Alpha and Omega. Amen. What did you see in the Old Testament is still the same God working in the New Testament. Not a different God, the same God. Now, he is the beginning of the new creation. Now, notice this. He's the beginning of the creation of God. Notice that now, so notice this, the beginning of the creation. So how could God be created if he was a spirit. See, how could he be? He's eternal. He never was created. He will never be created 
Because he's God at the beginning. He always was God. Amen. Amen. And, but he is the beginning of the creation of God, and that was Jesus Christ when he was made manifest in the flesh. When God lived in him, he is God's creation, the first and the last. Amen. So again, when God created himself a body, he came down and lived in it. That was the beginning of the creation of God. This is where God created himself a body. In the beginning, he created the heavens and earth. But the beginning of the new creation, he created himself a body to come and live in it. Now, Revelation 1 and 8, I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which was, or which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. So I want you to get it. He is, he is, he is the same yesterday, that is which was, which is today, and which is to come forever. Amen. He's Hebrews 13 and 8. Right? Amen. The same yesterday, today, and forever, the Almighty. Not a junior God, the very God. Amen. Notice here, the Almighty to the church of Ephesus, he says this three times. I'm the Almighty. He comes right over to Laodicea and he says, I am the Amen. I was the first back here. I'm the last over here. I'm the beginning of the creation of God through the church ages that we were, we're to have you learn. I am God, God created in a man form. I'm the beginning of the creation of God. We're speaking about Jesus now. Amen. Amen. Oh, that ought to make anybody shout. Amen. To think about it. The beginning of the creation of God. Amen. When God was created, when God was made flesh in Jesus Christ. Can you imagine God now becomes a part of his own creation? Now, multitudes of people get the idea when Jesus, that Jesus was the first creation of God, that, that makes him lower than Godhead. That would, then that first creation would create all the rest of the universe and whatever it contained, but that's not right. That don't match with the rest of the Bible because how could God be created when he himself is the creator? Is that Right? The eternal Logos, God, was manifest in the Son. And in Jesus dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that eternal one was the Father manifest in the flesh. And thereby gained the title of Son. This is how he became the Son. Is the Father created himself a body to come and live in it. And because it came out from him, it is called the Son of God. Amen. Now, notice, and in him, the Bible said, would dwell the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's, right. That's why in the New Testament Genesis account of how the world was created, John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, this word here, word means logos. In the beginning was the logos. That is the pillar of fire. That's the theophanic Christ. 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Where was he with God? He was there as the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Come on. So this was in God's mind, the man was the Word. And the Word would be expressed. The thoughts of God would be expressed and become the, the Word of God. And this projection of God was God. Now, so again, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by the Word, and without the Word was not anything made that was made. John 1, 14, and the Word, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos become flesh in Jesus Christ, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm trying to show you who this theophanic Christ is. I'm trying to show you who this angel of the covenant is. You see, the beginning of it all was when God released himself from his thoughts to become the word. And that expression of his thoughts was the word, and now the word became the form of God. Amen. Amen. It, was, it was represented as a sacred light because God is light. Is that right? It was a pillar of fire that started moving, as it moved toward manifestation in a theophanic form. Now, First of all, in the beginning, God dwelt alone with his attributes. Amen. That's his thoughts. There was nothing, just God alone in his thoughts. Right. How many, you know, God's eternal. So, I mean, you can't count years of how long that existed like that. Right. Is that right? Amen. Amen. You know, and it was just as if a great architect would sit down and begin to make a plan. You begin to draw out, uh, uh, you know, something you know, exactly when, I, when we started building this building, I had a thought in mind. I had a thought in mind, that, and you know, of what I wanted and about the size I wanted and what kind of rooms we had and the style of building, all of these things. We had something in mind. We projected it to a skilled architect, and he would write it out, and he said, you want it like this? I said, yes, but more like this. And you want it like this, but yes, I want this included here and there. And finally, what was in my mind became on paper. You see, but it had to be spoken, and an architect, or shall I say a prophet, would write it down and said, here's what come from God's thoughts, the word that was spoke to me, and now I've got it manifested on the paper. Amen. Now then, finally, what was, what was in my thoughts became on paper, and it went from paper into manifestation. So God, in his beginning, he had a plan, and he had a family in mind. Amen. He would speak it out through the prophets. He would write it out in the blueprint. Come on, church. Amen. He would write it out on the blueprint, and then once he wrote it out on the blueprint, it's got to come into manifestation in flesh. God will have a bride of people without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Now, 
in the beginning, God dwelt alone. Now, he was dwelt alone with his thinking. And that thought, when it's expressed, it's a word. It's a thought expressed as a word. But it has to be a thought first. So it's God's attributes that then it becomes a thought, then a word. Now notice, first of all, God is invisible. Go with me to 1 Timothy 1.17. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory forever and ever. So he is eternal, he's the king, eternal, immortal, invisible. And the only wise God, there's no other God beside him. Hebrews 11.27, by faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seen, or rather taken heed to him who is invisible. And then in Colossians 1.14, we say in Jesus whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, of visible and invisible, uh, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, or all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Amen. So we see that Jesus now is the image of the invisible God. He was made to portray God in his fullness. Now, John 1.18 says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom or the heart, which is the Father's heart, and when he hath declared him. So again, no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten of the Son has made him visible. The invisible God was made visible in Jesus. That's why when Philip saw, said, show us the Father, turn with me to John 4, 23, and we'll, we'll get it here, um, and here that our, our Father is a spirit, and I want to start right there with that, and then we'll talk about Philip, but he said in John 4, 23, but the, but the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit. He is an invisible spirit. Jesus would say it was like the wind. He said, you know, it blows where it listens, but no one knows where it come from. They don't know where it went. All you can see is the effects of it. Now, so in John 14 and 8, when Philip said, because he said that he was the image of the invisible God, that in John 4, 23, but the hour cometh, oh, excuse me, John 14, 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll satisfy us. Because he said, I'm going to the Father. I'm going back to fatherhood again. 
I'm leaving here of walking the shores of Galilee, but I'm going back to the form I was before I came here. And Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou then, showest the Father? Believest thou not that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I, are not of my, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works sake. If you can't believe me for what I'm saying, just look and see the signs. Amen. Now, the same thing that he's saying, but how do you say, Philip, show us the Father? When you see me, you've seen the Father. Because why? He had, the Son had declared the invisible God. Amen. He put on God, the invisible one, put on a body that would declare God, amen, Amen. that we can see exactly what his attitude was toward the sick, toward the lost. Come on, church. Amen. Amen. All you got to do is look at the image of the invisible God, the likeness. That is Jesus Christ, the full expression of God. You'll know what he thinks about the sick. You'll know what he thinks about the lost. Amen. You, you'll be like that woman that, who was caught right in the, the midst of her sin, and he would say, neither do I condemn thee. Go thou and sin no more. Amen. Thy sins be forgiven. Amen. This is the kind of God we serve. Amen. Now, what God did, now listen closely. Wake up your neighbor so that he hears what I'm talking about. Amen. What God did was he fathered himself a body to live in. And in that form, he was the son because the body was fathered by creation in the womb of Mary. Amen. Now, God came down in a blood cell. Think of this. Mary knew no man. It was the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. There was a creation that took place on the inside of her. God placed the egg and the sperm. Some, some want to say, well, he, he's a Jew. He is not a Jew. Some want to say, well, he's a Gentile for all of us. No, he's not a Gentile. Some want to say, well, he's, he's black. He's not a black. You want to say he's white. He's not a white. He's the creation of God. Amen. Now, he didn't come down to join your race. He came down to start a new race so that you could be of a new blood and a new bloodline by the Spirit. Are you with me now? So God came down in a blood cell, not through a man, but by the Holy Ghost in that virgin womb of Mary. Uh, You see, a tabernacle was built for the purpose of death. Now, he would taste death. God couldn't do that. God can't die. So he would make and design a body that he would come and dwell in so that that body could be offered as the lamb sacrifice. Now watch. Now the see the woman came in order that he would be bruised to bring our salvation. This is an ancient prophecy. 
all the way back. When, when, when Mary, not Mary, when Eve and Adam was walking out of the garden, and here they were in that where sin had come in. Death was now upon them. Changes were taking place. They were moving from immortality into mortal condition. They were dying. He said, the day you eat thereof, that day you die. And they began to die from that very moment. And here they're walking out of the garden. Remember, even to have that conference with God, God would slay a lamb. And he would take those garments and put them on Adam and put them on Eve. And here they are going down along the trail and that bloody garment is slapping down along them. Amen, dripping with blood. Because God is seeing there's going to come a time that there will be the Lamb of God who will slay, who will be slain for the sins of the world. And I'll take him and I'll take away your sins and give you his righteousness. And I won't be able to see your sins anymore because all I can see is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now then, he is walking out. Amen. God saying, you have sinned, you have done wrong. Get out of my presence. You're walking out of the gate of the Garden of Eden out of paradise and never, never to ever be able to come back again. And as they do, amen, the heart of God moves toward his children. So, but you know you're going, but you're not going along. I'm going with you because I'm going to be a seed. And as a seed, I'm going to give it to a woman. And in that woman's seed, I'm going to bruise the head of this serpent and I'm going to correct what sin did to mankind. So the ancient prophecy said, thy seed shall, thy seed shall bruise his head and the serpent's seed would bruise his heel where he touched the earth. Where he walked upon the earth, it would be when he walked upon the earth, when he become flesh, there death would bite him. But in doing so, he would crush the head of the ancient serpent. I want you to know because of Calvary, amen, the old serpent that called you to sin, to be born in sin, shaping iniquity, coming to the world, speaking lies. God crushed his head at Calvary. Hallelujah. And even though that death right now works in your mortal body, it too will be championed over. For you will not lay in a grave forever, but you will rise again. And if you're alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, you will be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. The Holy Ghost came upon Mary. He gave her a seed. The woman has no seed. God gave her a seed. And, and he created within that womb the cell that would multiply and become the body of our Lord. 
Now, let me just take a moment. I've been a farmer most of my life. I was, I've been an animal lover all of my life. When I was a young boy, it was dogs that were my passion. When I come into teenagers, it was purebred goats that were my passion. I have today registered Angus. They're not so much my passion. I'm getting too old for it all, and I'm about to let everything go. But let me just talk about it for a moment. You see, we have, science has developed in this time where it used to be that all we could have was we had to own the male and then the female, and there had to be a physical breeding. Science learned that they could take the seed of the male and they could freeze it way down into, way down below. I think it's like not under 200 degrees below freezing in the nitrogen. And it would, and that life would live there for, for a long time there. In fact, I had reproductions uh, from animals that were, uh, where that sperm had been put up for 30 plus years, and I could go back in a pedigree, and I could bring that animal forward. And I would cause him then to be this great, great grandsire, and I'd bring his genes forward into my breeding program. And, you know, because we, we bred champion goats and was known all over the United States for that, national competitions and so on. But now, you know, then they learned that you know, but it was kind of a poor thing that one, one female could only produce so many offsprings. So many times you would not just want the, the male, you would want the, the female's offspring also to come. So they learned with embryo transplants where they would take and superovulate the, the woman. They would take and, or shall I say, the, the animal, the female, superovulate her, because they do this in humans too, and then they would take and match the sperm with the egg. And then they'd take that fertilized embryo and they would take it and freeze it. This too would have, um, we don't know, it's an indefinite amount of years of life that would be held down in that nitrogen. And, and so... You know, it would, it would be that way for animal reproduction. We found that here locally, we had a, a cow that was on the Lockerbie Dairy Farm. I don't know that they were totally successful with their breeding program, but they had a cow, a Jersey cow. She gave a phenomenal amount of milk that was way over the records for the state and for most of the United USA. And they wanted her genes. Well, you know, they could get sons of her, but if they could get, you know, if they could reproduce more of her, hundreds of her. So what they would do is they would superovulate this Lackaby dairy cow, and she's a Jersey, and they would superovulate her. They would get and, and harvest the... Um, the eggs from her, they would mix it with the best bulls of the country, and they would then take those embryos, and they would just find a surrogate mother. 
She might be a black Angus. She could be a scrub cow. She'd be an old white face with long horns. May not look like anything like a jersey whatsoever. But they would take that egg and, and sperm and they would insert it into the, this surrogate mother. Now, when this calf was born, it was full blood jersey. It had no characteristics whatsoever of its surrogate mother. Though that mother would give birth to it, that mother would lick it, that mother would move to it like it was her baby. It was her baby in all sense. But not one speck of her blood was in this offspring. Amen. Now, God's been doing this a long time before man ever thought about doing things. And what God did is he didn't borrow from the womb of Mary an egg. He created the egg and the sperm, and he took and he placed it right there in Mary's body. And Mary gave birth to it, and Mary nursed it and pressed it to her bosom. But there wasn't one speck of Mary's blood in it. Amen. You're not saved this morning by Jews' blood. You are saved by the blood of God. It was God who gave that blood. It was God who has redeemed you. Now, as we look into this for a moment, I want you to think of that this blood cell would multiply it would become the body of our Lord. It was, it was the beginning of the creation of God. That's who Jesus is. He was the one that was filled with the holy blood. He was that holy one with holy blood, even the blood of God. That tabernacle came to birth. He grew to be a man. He went down to Jordan, and down in Jordan is where the sacrifice was washed. Of, of, of John in the river called Jordan. And when that, when that acceptable sacrifice rose up from out of the water, God came and indwelled him, Amen. filling him with the Spirit without measure. Amen. And when Jesus died and shed his blood, the perfect life of God was liberated. Amen. 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 Remember, it was first wrapped up in a blood cell. But then when he died, it liberated the life of God, not just to bring cleansing for you, but so that the life of your sacrifice could come back upon you, the worshiper. Amen and amen. Thanks be to God. Oh, now, I want to stop just a moment. What a blood this is. Let's just go down this avenue just a moment. Let's think of it along this line. In the Old Testament, God would tell them to bring a lamb, and that lamb was to be without blemish. That lamb had had to be examined, and it made sure there was nothing wrong, no infirmities, no mars. They couldn't offer a crippled lamb. They couldn't offer a, a blemished lamb. It had to be perfect, a perfect lamb. And I want you to know that, you know, when, the, when they brought the lamb there to the priest, 
They, even for the, for the token there in uh, Exodus 14 where the blood was to be a, a token, a sign, so the death angel would pass over. It was the lamb that was kept up for so many days and examined. And then once it was examined, then it was taken to the priest, and if it was out without blemish, it would be accepted for the worshiper. Now I want you to notice. A man could come in, he could be a sinner. Maybe he had done wrong. Maybe he had uh, committed adultery. Maybe he had lustful passions. But he was a sinner. He had done wrong. Maybe he had done his neighbor wrong. He, he needed redemption. He needed, he needed something to die in his place because he wasn't worthy to meet a God who, who looked for, for someone without a blemish. And when he comes into the priest's presence and he brings, he bringing out his lamb, the priest never ever looks at the man to see if the man is worthy, to see if he's been good, to see if he's never made a mistake, to see that he's without blemish. He don't pay any attention to the man he is, his eyes are on the lamb. And if the lamb is accepted, no matter how without blemish or how much blemish the man is, but if the lamb is accepted, then the worshiper is accepted. Hallelujah. I want you to know our lamb that we present this morning is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God from the foundation of the world. Are you with me now? And we can present him as the blemished, spotless Lamb, and God is not even looking at you as you come to him, but to see if you've accepted the blood sacrifice of the Lamb. There, God came and indwelt in him filling him with the Spirit without measure at the River Jordan. He died, shed his blood that the perfect life of the Lamb could be liberated. Now, that's another thing. You see, the life of the sacrifice of that Lamb, the woolly Lamb, it could not come back. The innocency of that Lamb could not come back on the worshiper. So the worshiper, after slaying the Lamb and his sins cleansed, he would... Walk out, still sinning. Same desires that he had before, he had afterwards. Maybe he was a drunkard. He would still be a drunkard. Amen. Amen. The habits that he had, the old sinful nature was all still there because the innocency of that lamb could not come back upon him. Somebody with me now. But I tell you, it's different with this lamb. Because this lamb did not die just to take away your sin. This lamb died so his life could come back on you. So that the very innocency of the life of the lamb of God can come upon your life and change you forever. Where your desires are no longer the same desire. Sin is gone and dead is midnight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, it's striking when we get to look at it. Amen. Because what we saw there was Jehovah come down crying over a manure pile. They're born in the stable. 
amen, born in a manger of straw. This is an everlasting sign to us. Amen. It is a sign of, of the, the seed of the woman that was given by God to take away sin when God would become created right. in flesh, Amen. just like your flesh. Amen. It's called the condescension of God or God in morphe, God changing form. He was God, but he would morphe. He would change form. He would take, leave the form of God to take on the form of a servant. Amen. What was he doing? He was coming a servant to take away your sin. Amen. And he would come, not in a king's palace, but he'd come so the very lowest of us could identify with him. He didn't come just to save those who were royal blood, in our opinions, belonged to the children of the king of, his, of, Egypt, uh, of England. No. He came that the lowest of us, the lowest of the lowest, the, the armpit of humanity, the dregs. Amen. He came down to, to save you, to save me, to find us. No matter what condition we're in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, he didn't come looking for the high and mighty. He even said, I didn't even come to call the righteous to repentance. I called, come to call the sinner to repentance. This is him, a friend of sinners and publicans. Amen, that's still him today. He's the friends of the drunkard. He's the friends of a dopehead. He's the friend of the prostitute. He's the friend of the effeminate. He's the friend of sinners. But he don't leave you in your sins. He comes to save you from your sins and lift you up out of sin. That's a sign to this puffed up and pseudo intellectuals, those who think they know something, their nose up in the air, and they're the goody goody because they've got a degree behind their name. Because they've been successful in life. They've evolved their own theology and denied the truth of God. Jehovah God. Crying, a crying baby in a stinking barn. And then we think we got a right to be proud and hold up our nose and criticize and acting as though we're somebody. He became a nobody. So you can become a somebody. Amen. Come on. He would actually go to cross and become a sinner, taking on your sins and become lost and go to hell in your place. Amen. So that you can be saved. I want you to know this lamb took the penalty that you deserved. Now, this is the things the angel was teaching. He was teaching us by the sacrifice. He was teaching us by the commandments that he gave, by the words that he gave. Now, notice God said that he would give us a sign, this everlasting sign. And this sign would be Jehovah. Despised and rejected. 
Jehovah's standing in the courtyard bruised and, and bleeding with thorns on his brow and spit on his face, mocked and said it not, while hypocrites would jeer and, and dared him to come down off the cross. That was Jehovah dying. Jehovah praying and nothing happening. So that you can pray and something happen. Amen. Did Jehovah died? It's a sign for all men. It's a great sign. Darkness came up on the earth then. They put him in a tomb. There he lay three days and nights until an earthquake shattered the gloom of the night and he came forth. Jehovah came forth. Jehovah ascended on high. And then Jehovah returns to indwell his church. That's the Holy Ghost we have today. Jehovah came like a rushing mighty wind. Amen. Oh, flames of fire as it settled over 120 and Jehovah was given birth to more sons. I'm glad to be a son of his today. I'm glad to say I have the same life that he had. The same life that was in him has also been given to me by a new birth. Amen. Jehovah came back to walk in the midst of his church to empower his people. Amen. This time, he came to stay in his people, saying, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And right now, again, Jehovah heals the sick. Amen. He raises the dead. He manifests himself by the Spirit. Jehovah came back speaking in tongues and giving the answer back in interpretation. That's our Jehovah. Amen. Jehovah came down, and he raised the prostitute to sin no more. He came down to the drunkard with the fly blows upon his face. Amen. As he lays unconscious in a gutter. Amen. He came to manifest himself in flesh and through flesh. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He came to shed his blood. Now, we're bringing this right down now. I'm not going to be as long this morning because I want to bring this down to you as, as a gospel message. I want you to realize the first thing was God. This was God. And then Jesus came as God in the form of a man. Now that's hard for people to wrap their mind around. That God would be so caring about you. That he would leave his throne in glory for one sinner. Come on. John 3.16 is about God so loved me that he gave his only begotten son because of his love that he had for me. He would leave all the glory to come down to earth, the love that he had for you. Amen. And God now, the creator of his own creation, and he would come down in, as a creator himself so much that he was God, that he was a being on earth, a being of time. Therefore, he created himself a body to live in. God himself created a body to live in for himself. And he would start a new creation, a creation of himself. For God was created in human form, Jesus Christ, his son. God dwelt. He built a tabernacle, flesh and bones, and lived in that tabernacle. It would be God, Emmanuel, God with us. He built himself a house to live in so he could reflect his word to his subjects through that. You know what God is when you see Christ. Now, 
listen, church, God has done something for us in this generation that is absolutely marvelous because the Gentiles worship hundreds of gods. So then when they brought that into to Christianity, it was hard to see God in, in different manifestations without believing in three persons of God. So you can't hardly get it for a heathen to, to accept there's only one God or there, there's only one personage of God. Amen. Now there's many forms of God. Come on. Because he would take on another form. He would take on the form of El Shaddai. He'd take on the form of Elohim. He would take on the form of Melchizedek. Amen. Now Melchizedek would then become Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ, the man, the flesh, was not Melchizedek, but Melchizedek was Jesus Christ. Amen, because as, as Jesus, he did, listen, as a man, he, there, he had a father, he had a mother, he, he had beginning of days, he had endings of life, but not Melchizedek. But Melchizedek come to dwell in this time being called Jesus in order to give his life for redemption. Oh, how wonderful that is to realize that, that God would make himself manifest in human flesh and in human form. Now, God so loved the world. Now, let's take him for a moment. Let's go back at what he would do. He would come down to Israel, a people who were slaves, a people who their lives were thought nothing of. They were lower than dogs. They were mistreated. They were abused. They were, there was a mixed multitude that went out with them because there were many of them that were, were, were a mixed race because of, of the, the things that was happening to them as slaves down in, in Egypt. It was a horrible condition. But God said, I have heard the cry by reason of your taskmasters. I have seen your sorrows. And I have come down to deliver you. This is the care of the angel of his presence. That he sees every heartache. That he sees every problem. He sees every sinner. And he comes down to save, to seek and to save that which is lost. I say, what a redeemer. What a caring savior. They would come down to the insignificant, the nobody, the forgotten, and say, I have remembered a promise to you. Amen. For I have come down to deliver. Are you with me now? Amen. I'm going to try to bring this right on down to the end now as we, as we bring this to a close today where you can see what I'm talking about. The angel cares. The angel is concerned. The angel is concerned about your need. You might be a parent today that's got a lost child. Amen. That has grieved your heart, that has offended your soul, that has wounded you in every kind of way, that has disappointed you in every kind of way. But I want you to know God, he cares. He's still the angel who cares. Amen. He cares so much that a little black insignificant woman would cause a storm there in Tennessee as she would as she she began to pray, God, 
God, I'll be your Shunammite woman. You gave me a child. I didn't deserve it. I tried to raise him right. But here he is dying with this venereal disease. And here he's gasping his last breath. And he's out on the dark ocean somewhere. And he's rowing. And I'm lost. And I'm lost. Oh, I'm lost. I can't find my way. I'm lost. That's the way you are this morning, sinner. You can't find your own way. Amen. You can't clean yourself up. You might be like the leopard that lick his pot, but it only makes it brighter. Amen. You might try to clean yourself up only to fall right down in the mud again. But I want to tell you there's a God who cares. There's a God who is concerned about your lost condition. He is concerned about your lost children, your lost sons and daughters. Amen. And when the saints of God begin to pray and begin to expect God to move, that's when God starts moving. That's when the angels start stirring. This little woman began to cry out, God, God, I'm your Shunammite woman. You gave me a child. I tried to raise him right and he went astray. But oh, where's your Elijah? I need an Elijah. Hallelujah. I know, I want you to know he didn't send Oral Roberts. He didn't send Billy Graham. He sent Elijah. She asked for Elijah. Amen. And the next morning, here comes Elijah walking down her street. I tell you what, God is about to do the same thing. Come walking down your street. Amen. To speak to your heart, to save your soul, to set you free from sin. He's that kind of God that can look, reach down further once you can look up. Hallelujah. Brother Brandon would say of that, he said the faith of that woman, the prayer and the faith of that woman created a storm. Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to know right now you may think your child's in a storm. You may think your situation is in a storm, but it's your own prayer that is creating a storm. Amen. That's moving in the night. That's moving in the heart. That's speaking to a life and saying, sinner, you can't stay there, sinner. Lost, you can't stay lost. Prodigal, you can't stay out there and sin because I am God the Redeemer. Hallelujah. Say, my life has been a wreck. My life has been a ruin. I've been in a storm. Well, let me tell you, God's let you get in that storm so you can get a visitation from the angel of his presence that says, wake up and come home. There she was. She wasn't giving up on the promise. She wasn't giving up on the promise. She walked right out and said, okay, amen, I done had a vision of him coming. Amen, and I'm gonna wait for him to come. I'm not gonna give up on him. I'll wait right here, cause I ain't gonna miss him when he comes. That ought to be the way the church is. Amen, I'm not gonna miss him. I'm gonna see him when he passes by. I'm gonna take him by the coattail and say, oh, not a gentle savior and hear my cry for while on that tower calling don't pass me by she stood there one hour 
two hours, three, the damp of the night settled down on her back. But she was watching. I'm watching for the angel. I'm watching for Elijah. I'm watching for the messenger. Amen. I'm watching for him to come by. He's going to come by any moment now. Amen. One moment went to another moment. Two minutes went to three. Three into ten. Ten into twenty. An hour into hours. Amen. Until finally, she hears some steps. Walking right down. Good morning, Parson. Good morning, Parson. Hallelujah. Oh, it's a good morning. Anytime when the angel of God comes by, it's a good morning anytime when God will use a servant to be his angel to bring a message to you. You don't have to say love. You don't have to say sin. You don't have to be strung out with drugs and alcohol and tobacco. You can be free. You can be delivered because I'm the God who delivers. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Good morning, Parson. He said, how do you know I was a Parson? Because I've been looking for you to come. I be that Shunammite woman, and I was looking for Elijah to pass my way. Amen. And here you come, Parson. Now, I've got a need. Don't pass me by. Now, listen, if the angel was concerned then, the angel is concerned now. It would be the angel of God that would go wake up the prodigal and say, get up, boy. Get up out of that, that hog mess that you're in, out of the mire of sin you're in. Get up out of there and get down to your father's house because there's provision of plenty. Amen. There's good things there in my father's house. Go back home. Amen. That's what God calls every child to do is go back home. Go back to where you belong. Amen. Listen, listen. Alcohol, let me tell you what, he's a deliverer of that. Drug addiction, he's a deliverer of that. Amen. Unbridled lust, he'll stand between you and that. Listen, this angel was so concerned about Israel when they got in the street and here they were trapped. And that may be the way you feel this morning. You don't have a way out of your situation. You're trapped on this side, mountains close you on this side, and valleys on the other, and then the enemy's coming behind you. But there became the angel of the Lord that stood between them. Amen. He's there to stand between you and your sickness. He's there to stand between you and your doubts. He's there to stand between you and your unbelief. He's there to stand between you and sin. Amen. He'll stand between you and your alcohol. You say, I can't give it up, Brother Kim. I tell you what, you won't have to give it up. Just get him and he'll take care of it. Hallelujah. Angels are concerned about you. Angels are concerned about this church. Angels are concerned about every sick person here. Angel of the Lord encamps about those that fears them and delivers them. The angel of his presence. Oh, I can feel his pillar of fire whipping and moving right now because I know he said I'll never leave you or I'll never forsake you. 
Hallelujah. Jesus told us that angels come at our death to bring him to his presence. But let me tell you more about angels. Angels rejoice in the presence of angels when one sinner repents. Amen. Can I look over into heaven just for a moment and see what a celebration they're getting ready to have? Because we're going to have prodigals come back home. We're going to have sinners from the armpit of humanity to find Jesus Christ and become a son or daughter of God. We're going to see delivered in the house of God. You say, Brother Jim, could God save me? I'm addicted to alcohol. Listen, when I was a 16-year-old boy preacher in a home meeting, I was there one night, and I had to preach. And there, a barber brought in a couple of men, and they were drunk. They were fresh out of the bar. You could smell it when they opened the door, their alcohol. It reeked throughout the place and throughout the home. It was there. You know, me being a young kid, never been around alcohol myself, I knew exactly what it was. All right. There was an old, an old brother or old man. There as I began to preach and conviction fell in that little living room that day. This is the early days of this church. In, the, in the, that living room that day, this man walked up and got on the other side of the pulpit just like this and stared me in the face. And he said, Preacher, I have been, I have been to war and I killed men. And I, I killed many, many men. I was in World War II. I had to fight and I had to defend our country. Could God, would God save a man like me? And there his breath was, was in my, my face as I was smelling his alcohol where he had tried to drown out his, his, his sorrows and his shame and his sin. I want you to know, alcohol will never drown out your problems. It'll only make them worse. But it would get a hold of this man, made him such, he couldn't even drive more, no more. He, he had hit somebody and killed a boy. And they'd taken his license away from life. He was, he was there stripped down, a poor mortal in a horrible condition looking at me face to face and eye to eye and I said yes my God is big enough to save a soldier I don't care what you've done even if you've murdered even if you've been in sin even if you've been a drunkard and you've tried to cover your sins with your alcohol and your sorrows away I want you to know my God can save you Amen. We prayed with that man that day and took him down to the watery grave and baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ. He rose up from there, never to drink another drop in his life. Amen. Because our God saved. Amen. Because the angels of God are concerned about his children. He comes to seek and to save that which is lost. Brother Branham said at an altar call when those sinners accepted Christ, angels raised up from their seat. If you could see in the invisible world right now, you would see angels directing this message, directing it right to your seat. And angels right there at your seat. And it's saying here, come on, boy. Amen. Get up from out of there. Get out of that sin. Get down to an altar.
place of mercy. There is a place of grace. He would pray, we pray that you'll sanctify this building which in which this meeting is held, that the angels of God may take their positions by their posts and by their seats and around every person that has sit in this building. Identified Christ of all ages, he said, we pray, Father, the angels of God will stand at every door. He's right there at our doors this morning. And every line of seats and at every seat and would convict sinners that they're wrong and may they accept the Lord Jesus then. And those without the baptism with the Spirit, may the Holy Ghost fall while we're speaking. I believe he can do that. I believe that's what he wants to do. Amen. I believe he wants to do that in his church. He said, the angels of God have set down their camps along the side of this place. For it is written in the word, the angels of God are encamped about those that fear him. And in this great unseen world that is around us, stirring our emotions to repentance and bringing evil before our eyes that we have done wrong with penitent hearts, we surrender our evil ways. Let's bow our heads together. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Don't remain out there in sin. You say, well, I've been to the altar before. Just another touch, Lord. In the last few months, as I told you, I've been a farmer. I saw young calves in the visions of the night needing the colostrum of the milk, needing the milk of the gospel. Just night before last, he woke me up in the night with a vision of the night. And I saw them modeled, colored with sin starving, dying, needing the milk. He's still God that cares. He can still stir the heart of a messenger that says, okay, sinner, don't remain in your sins. You had got nothing too important and what I'm about to offer you. That's a place of repentance. That's what an altar is. There's already been one to come to repent, to talk it over with the Lord. You might have unbridled lust. You could be addicted to pornography. You could be in a situation where you've got addictions in your life. Don't go thinking, oh, I'm a good person. I'll just clean up a little bit and I'm going to reform. It won't work. All the leper will do is make his spots brighter. But the angel offers a place of refuge and forgiveness, of grace and mercy. 
Well, I'm a church member. If you got cold on God, you're not where you ought to be. Slip out of your seat right now. You're a sinner. You've been away from God. God bless you. God sees that. That's an honest heart. Maybe there's somebody else. See, he comes to seek and save that which is lost. He comes there to those that will humble down. Those that will say, Jesus, I need you. Maybe you've got an addiction. Maybe you've got something in your life. Maybe you've been a sinner. The angel of God, that's him by you saying, don't keep on in that life. Step out. Make a move for, toward God. You say, Brother Tim, couldn't I get it right where I am? You could. But, it, but the Bible said, if you draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. He's calling today. Won't you make a move toward him? Amen. Here comes a young mother wanting to dedicate her heart. Maybe there's another. Maybe there's another. I see Christians come down to the altar right now and say, and I, I, I want to talk it over with you, Lord. I want to talk it over with you. Amen. I want to invite you into my life. I want to be free. Oh, softly and tenderly, Jesus is called.
Christians just to, just to come around and pray with these around the altar. Amen. Let's pray with them all. Brother with brother, sister with sister. Let's talk it over with the Lord. that the Lord is so real in your life. Amen. That you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That he's speaking to you in dreams and visions, voices in the night. To the angel of his presence become so real that you see him present among us. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll grant it, Father. 
Amen. Touch every heart, Lord. Touch every soul. Jesus' name. Thank you. Pass me now, oh Jesus.